Hello. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome to the Franchise Marketing Show. Thanks. It's our first one of 2023. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's gone quick so far this year. It's been hard to try and get a date in the diary to get you to sit down in front of me and talk to me. Yeah, sorry. This was actually meant to be like the start of the new year, wasn't yeah. it? Like 2023, this is what's going to happen in marketing. <laughs> um, and it's going out in February. Yeah, well, we got there in the end. We did. As we record this, it is the 3rd of February. So, so by the time Mark's edited it, it's probably about the 5th of March or something. Yeah, 2024. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll see if we were right. <laughs> cool, but today we're talking about... Um, I think it's a grand title of the future of franchise marketing, but I think specifically maybe short-term future of franchise marketing with a hint of longer-term future. Yeah. I think, yeah, we're looking to the longer, longer term as well and yeah. sort of seeing what's going to happen like in the immediate future and then what we think is going to happen, like grand speculation and lots of ideas about yeah. what might happen. Because that stuff's pretty cool. Yeah, we, we're both quite into that, I think, like into yeah. what both of what we do and how that's going to develop yeah. over the next few years. Um, so, yeah, we've got a few of our guests have sort of, we, as we uh, interviewed everyone that we've got, we've had so far on the show and we've got some future guests as well, we asked them the question, what does the future look like? So we've asked them those questions as well. So it's, it'd be good to go through um, what they've got to say and then give you a sort of, p- you watching this, uh, like a hint of the the guests to come in the next few episodes. Yeah. That sounds good. Mm. I think we probably, let's cut it into two parts. Okay. We haven't planned this, but I think this is a good way to structure it. I think first we talk about franchise recruitment marketing. Yeah. Then we cut to the guests and then we come back and we talk about marketing in general for customer marketing. Okay. Do you want to kick us off then with what you think is going to happen with franchise recruitment Franchise in 2023. Okay. I think that franchise recruitment in 2023 is going to be quite tough. Okay. Um, I think... Looking at the general landscape and looking at the volume of people searching for franchises, unfortunately, it has been in the decline for a number of years, as we've spoken about loads of times. Um, it hasn't massively declined since the pandemic, but it hasn't risen since the pandemic. Um, what we know is uncertainty makes it makes less people search. And we're in a year where we will almost certainly go into a recession, which is going to cause more uncertainty. So I don't think there's going to be a huge upsurge of interest in franchising in 2023 um it could be post-recession if the job market's not quite strong and people want to take control more than maybe coming out in 2024 or something there, there could be but i think sat here as of today i think interest in franchising is not going to spike okay. so i think that as a franchisor, if you found franchise recruitment hard over the last couple of years and you haven't hit your targets and you haven't got as many leads as you normally get and you haven't sold as many franchises as you normally would, then nothing's going to change this year unless you do something different. Interesting. I think. I think Einstein's got a good yeah. quote around that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I, I, I genuinely think that. Like, I don't think if you're relying upon intra- like more leads coming through, if you're doing the same thing you've always done, yeah. and you're relying on more leads to come through to sell more franchise, and that hasn't worked for you before, I don't think it's going to work for you today. That, that, that's my honest opinion. And I think that I always talk about these two ponds that you can fish in for franchise inquiries. Well, pond one is people looking for a franchise, and we know that that pond is kind of slowly in decline and not growing this year, probably. So if you're purely relying upon that pond being the thing that's going to grow your franchise inquiries this year, it's probably not going to happen. Um, so you need to start fishing in pond two. Now you may already okay. fish a bit in pond two, 
But if you don't, you need to create Pond 2. And Pond 2 is the people that aren't looking at franchising. They they may fit your profile. They're, they're, for whatever reason, it might be their background or gender or career or whatever it will be. And you need to go out and create an interest outside of people looking at franchising. Now, that's really tough. Like That's much harder than trying to attract a lead from someone who's already looking yeah, at franchising. Yeah. And it's completely different. And in my experience, lots of brands try to do this or have tried to do it, not being successful with it, so revert to Pond 1. Okay. And mainly because they try and use the same messaging that they use in Pond 1 that works on Pond 2. But the problem is the people in Pond 2 have no intent or awareness around yeah. franchising. They may be in a job that they love and never thought about running their own business. You have to somehow, for your marketing, create a spark of interest and then you have to educate them and create the awareness around franchising as a next career move before they become an inquiry. So it's much, much harder. And the messaging to people looking at franchising is completely different. So I think if it was me this year and the last couple of years, I haven't had the volume of inquiries that I've had before. Um, I think the volume of inquiries will probably remain the same in POM 1. So if you're looking to really ramp things up, I think people have to look at yeah. how they develop Pond 2. So in terms of what you like what kind of stuff can you be doing in Pond 2? And so I've got a few questions off the back of that. Uh, have you, do you know, so what kind of stuff could people be doing? Uh, what brands that you know of have been successful doing that? Um, and then what have they done to, to make that work? Yeah, so I'll start with the second question because okay. I think this is really interesting. There are some franchise brands out there who can only fish in Pond 2. Yeah. Because actually, the kind of person they're looking to recruit is so specific, there is no point of marketing in the general market of people looking at a franchise. So, for example, an accounting franchise. They're probably looking for accountants. Um, we've worked with a HR franchise. Now, they could only recruit people who had certain HR qualifications or ha had had a career in HR. So there's no point of fishing in the fr people looking at a franchise pond because 99% of the people won't be relevant. So they've had to develop to grow their franchise pond too. And they've grown a massive network of franchisees. So it can be done. And I think it really helps. The reason that they've probably been successful in this, and this is part of the thing that the process a franchise all has to go through, is it was so specific, the people they were looking for, the marketing campaign kind of built itself. Yeah. So it is, we're looking for people with HR qualifications or HR background. Um, what are their pain points? And they, they defined that actually the pain points were, it was typically HR managers who got so far in their career, couldn't go any further because there was a director above them. The director wasn't going to retire for 15 years, so wanted to take control of their future kind of thing. So they yeah. really understood who this person was. And then it was a case of, well, we understand that. We understand the pain points. Where do we find them? Well, we find them in LinkedIn under targeting people. Yeah, HR you really target it, yeah. <laughs> or HR publications or the association of HR professionals or, or whatever it will be. So it was that defined that it kind of worked because the message is very clear. The people they're targeting is very clear. The, the, the intent's very clear. And they generated interest and, and sold franchises. So... But working back, that's kind of what franchisors need to do. It is actually, who are we targeting very, very specifically? Who does this suit? What are their pain points? Um, the pain points of the HR thing was that people are getting to a certain level of their career can go any further. What, what is it that drives people to look at your franchise? And once you start developing that, it's then, well, where where do we find these people? Yeah. Like, where, where can they be? And it, 
it's not easy. Like you're probably going to have to test quite a few different ways of doing it. And I think if you think about it like that, the messaging is very different, isn't it? Because it's not a case of, this sounds very basic, but it's not a case of saying buy my franchise because these people may not even know what a franchise is. Like you've mm. got to go right the way back to step start. Yeah, you've got to build that relationship. Yeah. And yeah. So it's, it's tough. a lot it, of job. Yeah, it a lot is, of work. It is, it is hard. But I think at a time when conditions to recruiting a high number of franchisees, if you've got big targets, um, Pond one may work for you. It might be fine. Like it, it probably will work for some franchises. Are fine, but if you're relying upon that, you're taking a bit of a gamble. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you can open up this whole other area of bringing people in that aren't looking at franchising, then you, you're taking control a bit more. Um, to answer your first question, yeah. which I remembered, which I'm I quite was, happy. About. I, was, I was trying to remember it in case <laughs> you forgot. So the first question was about where, where, like, where do you go? And uh, so what activities yeah, could you be doing? Yeah. Well, I just said like the HR. Um, uh, company HR publications, associations of HR professionals, um, social media advertising's like the obvious one. So Facebook ads, whoever's running Facebook ads in franchise recruitment, that is pond two because mm. these people aren't looking for a franchise. They're people who are scrolling through Facebook, looking at videos of cats, and your advert pops up. So and so social media advertising definitely. Um, <clears throat> most franchisors that I speak to, other than the children's activities sector, say that social media adverts don't work but that's mainly because they're using the same content as they use to target pond one oh, right, yeah. so they're not taking into account this whole situation i think they can work but it's harder to get working um so you've got social media ads you've got pr general brand building i think personal branding is now massively important in franchise recruitment but not enough franchisors doing enough of it um so yeah there's lo lots of ways to do it but it, it needs it needs more of a strategy yeah. than typical franchise recruitment marketing because normally that's a case of, well, we can put a listing on Franchise Direct. They're going to have tons of people come to their website looking at a franchise. Hopefully someone will pick ours and then we take them through the process. Yeah. This is much more of a, a marketing challenge, I think. You've made it seem like quite easy in terms of laying out what the groundwork is, but I know like the work that's going to have to go into that is really tough but, and it's going to take a long time to do that. But like, I, I like the way you've kind of like just said, right, you need to do this, this and this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's this made it seem like, okay, that's a good, good starting point with what you just said. Yeah, I think it is tough and I think it takes testing. I don't think you're, there, there's any way of knowing what's going to work. However, if you can find a way of doing it and it works, this could be the way you grow your network. Double as quick as before. Mm. Um, it's a way you take a bit more control. In fact, if you really make it work, I think your cost per acquisition can be lower as well because you're being so defined on who you're targeting. So it, it definitely takes a lot of work. But there's loads of quirky things you can try. So I remember with the HR, um, so this might work for anyone listening, but I remember with the HR company, um, we ran Twitter ads that worked. Now, I can't ever remember Twitter ads working franchise recruitment. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that I think they would work in general for franchise recruitment. However, um, the association of HR professionals had a Twitter account and yeah. they had something like 30,000 people following them. And I thought to myself, well, you're not going to follow the HR association unless you work in HR. Like there's just no, yeah. no motivation to do so. So we just run Twitter ads to that audience of 30,000 people and it generated inquiries and franchisees. So that was a kind of simple way of doing it, really cost effective, but yeah. very, very targeted. Um, so there are ways, but it just takes a bit of creative thinking, I think. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, Twitter's the one that's come up for me recently as well in terms of, like, I'm making some videos for someone and I have to make them 
two minutes 20 or less because that's the maximum length that you can have on Twitter videos. Really? Because she is only putting these videos out on Twitter. Really? Yeah, that's so... And like she's getting stuff from it. She's got loads of following on, on wow. Twitter as well. So Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that... I, I'm sure it's still... I mean, in the franchise cream in general, I can't think of many use cases where <clears throat> I think it would work. But there probably are some. Mm. Like that, that one for the HR... It's just knowing your audience and where they are. So yeah, if you're yeah. working that out and Twitter's the place, then... I think it is. And I think, as I say, I think most franchisors have tried some of this activity yeah. before. But I, I honestly think the, the key is the quality of the content and messaging. And it can't, it, th- what you use to sell franchises to people looking for a franchise, it has to be completely different. Um, and there's lots of other considerations. The lead time's going to be longer. It, someone looking at a franchise becoming a lead to then become a franchisee, it's going to be much shorter yeah, yeah. than someone who's not looking at franchising, who's probably loves their job, and it's going to like the lead time's going to take longer. So there's loads of challenges around it, but I just think at a time when it, you know the interest in franchising is not flying, mm. somehow you've got to create your own lead flow. Yeah, it's worth else. playing that long game doing it. Yeah. It's interesting you said like it's not flying. I think since I've known you, franchise recruitment has been tough. Yeah, maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> so like I think the last time you said it was like really flying was sort of like the last recession. If you look at Google Trends, yeah, so yeah. like off the back of the last recession, 2009-10 were really like strong years of search traffic around franchising and lots of brands grew massively during that period. And then ever since then it's been in decline, but it, it's uncertainty causes a lot mm. of it. The job no, that's mar- all we've had, really. For yeah, and the job market become really strong. But then Brexit was the issue. Everyone was yeah. talking about in franchise recruitment for a couple of years. It's like the Brexit uncertainty. When that goes, we'll be all right. What's going to happen with Brexit? This is stopping people yeah. making decisions. Then Brexit's gone. Then we had a pandemic. And then it's like, what's going to happen? Now it's a case of like, is there going to be a recession? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And through this whole time, the job market's been really strong as well. So mm. it, there are sectors which I think are immune to that. So I think the the children's activity, like the second household income franchises. I think a lot of these guys have always recruited from Pond2 anyway. Um, uh, I think the higher investment multi-unit franchises, they're still growing massively. I think they grew massively during the pandemic and will continue to. It's kind of that middle ground of management type franchises, first household income opportunities yeah. where I just think that's that's where things are going to be quite tough. Interesting, yeah. And I know a lot of people we've spoken to on this show have been ex- like not excited, but like they they hear the word recession and they're kind of like, oh, this could turn things around for fr- for yeah. interest in franchising. Yeah, and I, I think it probably will. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. No, um, and you, if da- you said it's off the back of yeah. If recessions. data from the last recession makes it is any type of um, indicator, then it was like a year after. So there was a recession. People started losing their jobs. There was blah 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 blah, and then suddenly there was a spike in interest in franchising. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's hard to know. Cool. Should we? Is the next bit we want to, to do the the uh, the guests? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So uh, we uh, every guest we've had on the show so far, and every, we've sort of pre-recorded some guests as well. We have asked them, "What does the future of your sector look like?" Um, and here are those answers. And do you see anything coming along? Again, this is really hard, isn't it? And I'm sure if we if we sat here in 10 years, the, the journey of how people find things online is going to change dramatically. But um, do, do you see anything coming along and really disrupting search in, in, the, you know, in the future? Like, is voice, voice is kind of around now? Is that something that's going to be a 
kind of bigger thing. For voice, voice just goes off what you put on the website. So if you again, if you do your job in optimizing the website, optimizing metadata in terms of the content when you're writing and structuring that content. Um, so for voice search, for example, because this was like uh, a little, I remember everyone going on about voice search. It was on the blogs, right? Uh, if you've done a long form blog, you'd have like a summary paragraph at the top. In this blog, you're going to learn blah, blah, blah. Or there's going to be a nice sort of summary answer. And then voice search would scan that article and go, hey, here you go. Um, but yeah, I think Google is its own enemy, essentially. Like Google is so big and they're going to continue to create um, solutions that sort of keep everyone on the Google platform. So you've got like zero click results. So this is where things like Google My Business um, and will, will help. Um, so I think other people will try and do different search engines, which they have, like DuckDuckGo and Bing is taking about 8 or 9% of the search. But Google is still the number one in the Western world anyway. Google is still the number one that we have to deal with, that we have to sort of uh, constantly battle to get on the top of. But yeah, when it comes to search, Google is getting smarter and smarter to try and provide the best query answer um, to someone's search. So yeah, for us, it's making sure we do our job to make it as easy as possible for Google to index and crawl our website on the technical and the content. Uh, the links will come as you, you know, that's the harder part, trying to outreach to websites, try and get that. But the things that you can really control are the technical and the content. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, it's quite reassuring to know that maybe it's not going to completely change the world. The world hopefully will be similar in the next five years. Yeah, it'll get more and more complicated, but that just means we've got to take it to a next level um, as, as world gets faster and faster and it's, it, it's, it's bloody hard to try and keep up. The two, I go with the, those three constants of technical, of content and of links and just focusing on those three. And how would you see the, the future of shows um, over the next, I don't know, it's always hard to say into the future, but do you, do you see them developing over the next four or five years? Could there be kind of hybrid type shows? Like, do you guys have any plans for the future? What, what do you think the future of shows looks like? I'm never doing another online show in my life. <laughs> we um, uh, we we did we, uh, we did a free show. Um, it, uh, happily, we did it for free. When we put the show back in in 21, we said, right, people are still recruiting. People still want to talk about franchising. We'll do an online event. Uh, and it was a it was an absolute car crash. It, it was it was horrible. So look, I am. Um, uh, firmly of the opinion that, that it's a face-to-face thing. It's a face-to-face thing. Um, so we'll, 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 we'll do more online promotion of the shows and we might set up you know, webinars and what have you. But I don't think it'll ever be a hybrid. I don't think we'll ever do a hybrid event. I think it works for products and services-based shows. Yeah, why not? You can, you can demonstrate the software online as well as you can show somebody in a, in a, in a physical theatre. Um, but I, I, I think franchising is handshaped. And and how do you how do you see the future of franchising over the the coming sort of international franchising over the coming years? Is it something which is going to continue to grow? Are we going to see more and more UK brands um, venturing international? How, how do you see that over the next few years? Yeah, I would say it's it's booming now, and it's you know it's not the easiest of times for a lot of brands, and it will continue to boom. Um, different markets will become more prominent and more attractive, um, through time. Um, but I think the core stable of good solid franchising countries that understand franchising that have a culture for it, 
depending on your sector, of course, um, it'll continue to do really, really well. Um, you know, from a from a legislation point of view, um, you know, in the UK we don't have any formal franchise laws and um, legislation. Who knows? We may well get that. You know, in coming here in the future, which I personally don't think is a bad thing. It encourages good franchising and and things like that. But I think from a making it accessible to franchisors, it's very much there for the taking. Um, if you're ready for it, if you've got the budget and if you plan for it, basically. So I think exciting times ahead. Um, and I do think we'll continue to see more and more brands coming into the UK as well from other markets, um, which I think is really quite exciting because we've got a lot of homegrown brands here. Um, it'd be nice to see some more international players coming in. What will the future of TV advertising look like? Like It feels like we're already in it at the moment, but like what? What's it? How is it going to change in this in the next sort of few years or decades? I mean, it's a big debate, sort of around within the industry. I mean, people ask the questions all the time: Will, t will all of TV advertising become addressable? You know, will everyone be using data to do more targeted campaigns? I think in the current climate, yeah, where people are more careful than ever about reducing wastage about making sure their money works really hard for them and, and look one thing i should highlight is again why we're out we're in the market to give people confidence so we're using data to qualify an audience so that gives them confidence to say look am i reaching the right people but one of the things that we do at sky is and again because we have the the, the sky q and the virgin media books is we say to people look, if someone hasn't seen at least 23 seconds of your tv spot you don't pay for it so if someone stops, pauses, rewinds, or switches channel halfway through your ad, it doesn't count. So, you know, unless someone's seen 23 seconds of that TV spot, you will not pay for it. So we're doing everything we can. And I think in the current climate, we're just going to give more advertisers, uh, more companies that confidence to sort of take the jump. More and more brands will be doing targeted TV. And it's one of the fastest growing sort of divisions within Sky at the moment. And I think that will continue. But specifically answer to that question i think more and more of tv advertising will become addressable because there's just so much data out there that we can use um so that's what they said what do you say <laughs> right there's some great tips there um what the future of marketing in general i think that's a good question to ask everyone i think we should continue doing that and do like another future show at some point in the future yeah good. yeah it's good well i think we're in such a time of change from a marketing point of view um I think probably not this year. I don't think 2023 is going to change that much. I think no. however you do your customer marketing, what worked over the last few years is probably going to work this year. Um, I think in franchising, there's some good technologies around now, which franchisors could be using. I think there's ways to control your brand a bit more. Um, I think franchisors need to be focused on trying to get a bit more control over what franchises, franchisees are doing on a digital way. There's more activities franchisors could be doing, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's lots of stuff around that. I don't think anything's going to change too dramatically. But I think if we're talking about five years' time, yeah. where could we be, where we be? I think we are talking about dramatic changes in marketing in five years. It's interesting. Like um, I put on LinkedIn this morning, uh, if anyone um, had any like, opinions on where, like what things would happen, one person replied, wow. which is uh, pretty good for yeah. my return on LinkedIn. That's good. Uh, so Ed Pennell, friend of the show, yep. uh, he said that franchising is like so behind the times in terms of other stuff. It's best looking at what other people are doing. 
And then like in five, ten years, franchising will slowly catch up. Yeah. And I think that's what we want to try and do with this show, actually. Yeah. Like, I think that's what we need to do. We need to be going out and interviewing people to try and find that out. But I think he's right. I think um, the, the way technology is moving on, well, let, let like it seems like the only thing we can chat about at this point in time is chat GPT, mm. right? Because that's like the first time an AI product has kind of captured everyone in the business world's attention and you go on linkedin and every post is about chat yeah, gpt yeah. and like it's even kind of made the news and people are playing with it and understanding it and are wowed by it quite rightly um and it it's kind of brought ai to a use case where people are looking wow this is this is really powerful um but the reality is that that is just one ai use case and in the background <laughs> being developed yeah, behind yeah. that there's ai products which are going to come out probably across nearly everything you can think of in marketing yeah um we use some ai products um to help manage our google ad accounts that um, are amazing like they literally surf through the google ad accounts they show you recommendations they're looking at trends they give you notifications so there's loads of stuff around that's really good yeah it and we like they're there but the chat gpt thing just kind of brought it to the horizon doesn't it do you I know certainly there's conversations within Coconut and conversations that I've had with people where they're sort of a, a bit wary of uh, AI and maybe a bit like, oh, I'm going to be replaced. Do you feel like that's that's the case? Or do you think, like you said, with the Google Ads stuff, it's like a really good tool to like add and make things easier for what the job you're already doing? I think it's still that, isn't it? Like, yeah. I, I think it can only be seen as a tool to try and use and embrace. Like... I think we're we're still miles away from something like chat GPT being the thing that we rely on in the business world to create content. Um, it can't take in the, the the context and the nuances of, you know, let's say franchising. It can't mm. understand franchise recruitment and the relationships and the brand and the brand story and so much stuff that I think we're a long way away from it ever being... A replacement and i'd like to think it never will be a replacement i think it's a tool um but yeah who knows who knows where it goes i, I you know if you look at from a, a marketing agency point of view i think we're a long way away from um a client saying sorry guys we don't want you to we don't need our pr agency anymore because we use chat gpt and we just <laughs> you know we put end on the end of it and send it off to <laughs> publications like we're it's a million miles away isn't yeah. it um, clients still want the relationship, the prior knowledge, the experience, and all those different kind of things. So I don't. I think, and I think like you said, with to Simon Chicken in the in the f what the future of like events look like, you still want that human contact. Yeah, it's still good to go and meet people. And like, I'm thinking like from a video point of view, like I've seen some AI like generated videos, and it looks really weird. Like it doesn't look like a human being at all. Yeah, and it's like a robot made it. And I think it will get to the point where you maybe won't be able to tell, but I still think you'd you'd want conversations like this, like and and to see actual people and like, yeah, see their face and like hear their voices and what their actual opinions are. Um, but I think like yeah, it it is coming. Like I think I think if you f like if we fast forward ten years, okay, and this is like pure speculation, we should definitely bookmark this and yeah. listen to it in ten years. But it things could be completely different. Like social media there is a good chance it won't just be a website or an app you look on. We could be in the metaverse. Mm. It's funny, isn't it? Because talk about the metaverse has kind of gone now. Yeah. ChatGPT has come out. But the same thing, like you, they, these things kind of come around, you hear about them, they go, but they are massively being invested in the background. And Facebook are putting far too many billions into the metaverse for it yeah. not to be 
something they are going to push hard and they've got the users to try and make it work. Um, so you fast forward 10 years, it could be that customer interactions, what we're doing here now, the way people are listening to this content is with a VR headset in and it feels like we're all sat in the same room talking to each other. Mm. And if you get to that kind of point, that changes everything from a marketing point of view, doesn't it? If you've got the ability to put on a headset and go and speak or be in a room or hear from yeah. and experience a brand or a franchise or whatever it could be, then that disrupts everything. And I think good or bad, and I'm not quite sure which one it is, that is the way it's going. And I don't think we can get away from the fact that that will be the case. It's interesting you say like to fast forward 10 years. Like It'd be interesting to look back 10 years ago and see what people were thinking, like what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Like, what do you think's changed drastically in the last 10 years? I don't think much has changed in the last 10 years. So you've had Web 1.0, yeah. Web 2.0, which is kind of where we're, I think, now coming to the end of. And people are calling this next phase Web 3.0, aren't they, with, you know, VR and um, AI and yeah. all these different kind of things. Um, I think we've probably been in Web 2.0 for more than 10 years. But There's sort of some slight things I've seen. Yeah, the, the way I kind of define it in my head is that Web 1.0 was the web, like the internet, yeah. and people could find a website. They were very static, um, and you, there wasn't much marketing to do. Web 2.0 was when I think consumers took control and could go and find stuff. Yeah, more social. And, and learn stuff, stuff like and engage online, and it was a two-way kind of thing where web 1.0 was just you went and looked at a website web 2.0 was much more two-way i think consumers changed they decided that they could research their own decisions and go online and find all this content etc i think web 3.0 is when it goes to experience so it's not just a case of being able to research decisions it is a case of you can actually go and experience stuff oh, right, on yeah, the yeah. internet so you can put a headset on and you can walk around the potential franchise that you're looking to buy. Um, you can go and listen to a podcast and actually be sat on the same table as yeah. the people talking. Like it, it's the experience going to a whole nother level. Um, and then of course you've got the AI element where I think part of Web 3.0 will be that there'll be things learning exactly what you like, what you don't like. It will learn the very, <laughs> I would try to, the very core of who you are to the point where <laughs> that learning will recommend things to you and you'll probably get to the point where you rely on upon it for decisions. Yeah. Like in 10 years, AI may know you so well, your voice, I don't know, your echo dot might know you so well that if you're looking to buy a franchise, you say, what franchise do you think would be good for me? <laughs> yeah. And it comes back with recommendations and actually because they know <coughs> how you live and what you do and probably your disposable income and yeah. et cetera, et cetera, it, you might trust the recommendations coming back. You wouldn't at the moment, would you? No. But, so I think that's the thing. It's going to a whole nother layer <laughs> of... Oh God, yeah. And it is really scary when you think about I it. I just think like at the moment, it, it barely understands me when I tell it to play something on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's got a long way to go and it doesn't really truly understand us and things like that, does it? But it's getting there. Like I think people like Amazon and Sex, they're obsessed yeah. with knowing everything about everyone, aren't they? Um and it's going that way. So do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing or a mixture of both? Like, are you excited by it or are you like wary of it? I, I'm excited for the opportunities and like seeing where it goes and yeah. experiencing it. Um, it does worry me on a kind of human level, um, especially with young children, probably yeah, the same yeah. as you, like where you just think, like, you, 
all of these things that we kind of know, if you can experience with a headset on, like where does that, like, I, I don't yeah. know. It, it doesn't feel like it's great for, I already think that Web 2.0 has probably had a massive negative impact on the human yeah, yeah. race. Like, I don't know if Web 3.0 is going to improve that. No. So it it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. So I think, yeah, it's things to be excited by, but also things to be sort of wary of as well. Yeah, I think like, for example, if I was thinking like, where are Google going to go? Mm. So nearly every business is in some way reliant upon Google and people searching yeah. for their business and what they do. In 10 years time, will anyone type a search into Google? Yeah, don't know. Probably not. No. Like my son, he would think it, I think in 10 years, he'll think it's crazy that we used to type into Google. He'll, he would laugh at it. They'll be yeah. like, well, it's so much quicker just to say it. Um, will Google still be a search engine giving you all these different results back or will it be more experience based? Yeah. I don't think <laughs> there'll be, I don't think you'll bid on keywords. I think Google will just give you suggestions based on what they, I, d I don't know. Well, I it's like what Kurt was saying with the TV ads about um, like these TV ads can be like, you could be watching the same, ch same show in a different house and because of who you are, it's showing you different adverts that are tailored yeah. to you. Yeah. So it'll be like that. I think. It will, Which, but to, uh, to a huge... Minority Report uh, yeah. was talking about in like 2001. Yeah. So, so yeah. It's going to be interesting. But the, the funny thing is, though, on actually looking at the shorter term in 2023, this year, um, Google are moving to a cookie-less world. And we've already seen over the last couple of years, like um, Apple blocking Facebook from tracking users, etc. Um, so weirdly, in 2023, there's a massive privacy thing going on where actually, mm. as a user, you can opt out of having of being tracked anywhere online um through chrome it's going to be um and that's going to be massive like if you think of things like retargeting and um being shown adverts based on what you like etc that will be no more for people that opt out of stuff yeah um so actually it's funny isn't it because all this new technology is going in one direction but in a slightly different direction there's these privacy laws coming in which are going to restrict a lot of the learning that these companies can do so you know who knows there's a bit of a kind of battle going on there I think this is quite an interesting conversation. I hope people have enjoyed it. Mm. I think yeah. we, I think it would be good in episodes to get someone on about the metaverse and AI. Yeah. And there's some really cool people that talk about the future of this mark, future of this marketing stuff, <laughs> the future <laughs> of marketing stuff. Who I think are quite visionary in it and can see because yeah. I think until you can think of a use case for your sector and how it may change your business and the way you do things, it's very hard to actually think about. Um, but it's definitely coming. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. For walking Cheers. down the yeah, corridor to yeah, my I'll office. To the office next walking time. back to your office now. Yeah, I am. I'll probably follow you up in a minute as well, so I'll see you there. All right, cool. But yeah, that's it for this episode of the Franchise Marketing Show. Uh, what are we talking? Are we going to say what we're talking about next time, or are we going to keep that secret? I, I don't think people will be too worried if you tell them now. I think that'd be fine. We're talking about podcasting. Oh, are we going to show? If you're watching the video version of this, just on the end, I'm going to add. Um, an inside coconut video of me and Ben walking around Whirlwell taking uh, photos. Whirlwell's a lovely place. I used to play football for Whirl. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Good. That'd be good. Look yeah. forward to seeing it. Thank yeah. you, everybody. Enjoy. Goodbye.